energy so stalling, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree, we used to be so happy, we used to have everything we need. Welcome to Village Mentality, where melanated people are connected in spirit, love, and community. What's up, kings and queens? Beautiful people everywhere. It's your girl, C.K. McGee, and I am your host. Hey there, beautiful people. How's everyone doing? I pray that you're all doing as well as you can be. Welcome back for another episode of Village Mentality. I'm so glad to have you all here with me in the village, and you're welcome to join me each and every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'd also like to give a warm welcome to those of you who may be tuning in for the very first time. And if you're looking to see what Village Mentality is all about, you're welcome to catch up on all previous episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and The Awaken Lounge. And I also provide links to each episode on both Instagram and Facebook, and I'll share those with you at the end of the show. But thanks again to all of you for joining. As a mental health and wellness advocate with lived experience with mental health conditions, each week I'll be talking about different topics that could impact our mental health. I'm focused on BIPOC communities because as an African-American woman, I am extremely concerned about communities of color and their mental health. Now, as far as mental health is concerned, it really doesn't matter who you are or where you're from because we can all be impacted. And that is something that we all must know and understand. We may not all have mental illness, but we do all have mental health, and we need to make sure that we're taking care of it. Now, the purpose of this podcast is to bring awareness to the many different ways in which our mental health can be affected, showing that poor mental health outcomes are not always caused by chemical imbalance, but it can also be from the various stressors, trauma, or circumstances that we all face from time to time in our lives through education and advocacy by individuals like myself who have lived experience, whether it be with mental health conditions or substance use. The hope is that we'll be able to show up in more effective ways to support those around us that may be suffering. The stigma of mental illness and conversations about mental health can be more difficult for marginalized and intersectional groups, and it interferes with our ability to take care of our mental health as we should. Now, self-care, beautiful people, it's a very important tool, and I encourage us all to use it in our daily lives, or at least let's make some time for it on the weekends. There are so many different ways that we can practice self-care, especially when we view it holistically. The benefits of learning to take care of ourselves extends beyond us, and it has a positive impact on all those whom we encounter. Now, for someone who's in crisis or who may be experiencing emotional distress, self-care may be the furthest thing from your mind, and I get that. 
because in all truth, self-care is something that you grow into. It's not an automatic practice. It takes time, especially if you've been in crisis. But what's important about it is when we begin the process of learning how to identify the things that we need to do in order to take better care of ourselves, not only do you feel good, but you'll be able to show up for others more effectively. So just in case you're wondering, and even if you're not, I'm going to tell you anyway. Some of the benefits of self-care. Well, it can help to improve your physical health. It can reduce stress and anxiety. It can boost your self-esteem, protect your mental health, and it can lead to better, healthier relationships. Now, those sound like some pretty good benefits to me. What about you? Now, self-care, it is for everyone. And we need to realize that it's about self-preservation. Kings and queens, think about the fact that our cars need gas, windshield wiper fluid, antifreeze, oil, all those things in order for the car to run more efficiently. When we have gardens, we need to plant and water seeds, pull out the weeds, and any number of things that are necessary so that our gardens will grow. So we need to do everything we can in order to replenish all that energy that we put out into the world when we're doing for others. We're not robots, we're human beings, and we need just as much care as everything else that we take care of in our lives. So please take the time to practice self-care. Check in with your needs and live each day in a way that protects your mental health because it's an integral part of your total well-being. Self-care helps to rejuvenate our spirits and souls so that we can continue to be the fantabulous kings and queens that we most definitely are. And I'll be right here each week to remind us of that fact. Now, if you've heard the show before, then you know that there'll also be plenty of music too. So one of my favorite decades is the 80s, whether it's soft rock or pop, R&B, and even hip hop. The 80s are my absolute favorite. There's just something about that music from that decade where the music just seemed more soothing to me than any other time. The truth is, I love music no matter what, and I love sharing my love of music with you. So I hope that you'll sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, without further ado, I believe that it's time for me to take my first walk of the evening to my musical jukebox. Our first song, Beautiful People, was recorded by this American singer for her second album, which was released in 1984. The song was written by Peter Brown and Robert Rands, while Nile Rogers produced the track. The singer stated that this song was indicative of her life at the time and that she liked it because she felt like it was very provocative. Now, according to music critics, this was one of her songs that established her as a musical icon. It was a commercial success, reaching the top of the charts in several countries, while reaching number two on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Here's Madonna with Material Girl.
Now, come on, you didn't think for one moment that I would have music from the 80s and not have the king of pop included, did you? Now, as far as I'm concerned, he'll always be on the list. Billie Jean was released by Epic Records on January 2nd, 1983, as the second single from his sixth studio album, Thriller, released in 1982. It was written and composed by Jackson and produced by Quincy Jones, the dynamic duo, of course. Now, Billie Jean reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and topped the Billboard Hot Black Singles chart within three weeks and became Jackson's fastest rising number one single since ABC, The Love You Save and I'll Be There in 1970, all of which he recorded as a member of the Jackson 5. Billboard ranked it as the number two song for 1983. Billie Jean is certified diamond by the Recording Industry Association of America. Well, Village, you know me. I'd like to take a little bit of time to talk about some things, whether it be about current events, entertainment, or something that's just on my mind. So why don't we get into my segment called Let's Talk About It. Okay, Village, so this week I'm wrapping up talking about our self-esteem for International Boost Self-Esteem Month. As much as it's important to focus on the things that can help boost our esteem, it's just as important to understand the things that may trigger a poor self-esteem. So tonight, I want to talk about eight things that can affect our esteem so that we can have a better idea of how we can take care of ourselves and each other. Because after all, we are a village, aren't we? And of course, you should know that I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'll also talk about how we can tackle these things. So, first up, your appearance. For most people, self-esteem, according to Very Well Mind, is primarily related to how they perceive their own appearance. Appearance is a major factor that affects the self-esteem, particularly for our queens and our queens in training. It often begins in adolescence when young girls compare their perceived attractiveness to that of others. Believe it or not, Girls as young as four to seven years old begin to form their self-esteem on the basis of physical appearance. Mainstream media is certainly a culprit when it comes to skewed versions of acceptable norms that are anything but normal. But by accentuating our amazing features and letting our light shine through, people will gravitate toward our positive demeanor. Trust me, I know that it's easier said than done, but with some practice, I know that eventually we can learn to feel better about ourselves. Employment status. Too many people let their employment status affect the way that they see themselves. In other words, it's all about self-image. People seem to define themselves by their job. We must remember that our jobs do not define us as a person. If it's just a mere paycheck that we're receiving, then just be sure to do your best always and know that it's just temporary until you reach your goal. If you're unemployed, then you may want to consider a temporary position until you're able to get something more permanent. It is extremely important to practice self-acceptance so that you can accept who you are as you are and you don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. 
financial woes. Mounting debt and struggling to make payments can take a toll on anyone, regardless of their social status. There is a connection between finances and self-esteem. When we are carrying around the heavy burden of bills that never get paid off, it can cause depression and loss of faith in yourself. Figuring out a way to pay off those bills can be one of the most liberating things that you can do for yourself. The connection between finances and self-esteem is really one of coping. When it seems like there's no way to manage your self-esteem, it will tumble. In fact, it's really not about the financial woes at all, as much as it's about the test that this puts you through and how you feel you'll be able to cope with the challenges and difficulties. Material possessions can boost your feelings of worth. It is a major factor that affects our esteem because once again, it indicates status. But beautiful people, this only applies to those who believe that material possessions improve how they are accepted by others. This high, it only lasts until the next lavish thing comes along. So, the best thing that we can do is to not allow ourselves to get caught in this thankless cycle and begin to embrace living with less and concentrate on non-material sources of pleasure, such as family, friends, traveling, or even volunteering. Learning to feed your soul, you know, that is going to help you feel better and you'll find joy within yourself by doing that. Age, well, it's also a factor, only if we allow it to be. Once again, for queens and queens in training, self-esteem can drop with age, which unfortunately is connected also to body image and how they believe they look. One of the most difficult facts of life is that everyone is gonna age, we're all gonna get older. Some may age gracefully and others may not so much, but irrespective of culture, nationality, race, or economic status. Self-esteem is higher in younger children and it begins to actually drop in their adolescence. It may rise again in adulthood and then start to drop again in older age. Since we are unable to change our age, perhaps what we can do is to change our outlook instead. It is important for each of us, Village, to accept ourselves. Again, personally speaking, I know that it's easier said than done, but we need to take in the whole picture and appreciate all that we have achieved and think about the things that we still want to accomplish. Age is nothing but a number, and as you gain more experience, you go on out there and show the world how it's done. If you have no relationship, you know, you're, you're single, you just gotten out of a relationship, it may seem like everyone has the perfect relationship except you, right? I know, I know. This illusion can create doubts and fear that somehow this makes you an unlovable person. It can sure feel like that because, you know, just in case, you know, you didn't think I know, I do. I know. I can't lie. I have felt those feelings myself and very often, I may add. Now, even though our egos may have taken a hit, it is so important that we remember that our worth is not based on another person or their opinion of us. Instead, let's take this precious time to focus on getting to know ourselves, learn some self-love and appreciation. You know, we have to believe, and even though it might be hard sometimes, we have to believe that the right person will come along. I'm here believing with you, okay? So you're not alone. Education. 
There are times when we may regret that we didn't go as far as we wish we could have with our education. And when we see others advance in their careers, it may cause us to wish that we had chosen a different path entirely. It can totally affect our morale. The great thing is that you can return to school and you can take online courses. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's never too late to get that degree or to become certified in something that really interests you. Something that will take your job to a new level. The opportunities are endless and I think it's pretty exciting and it can be a total boost to your confidence and to your self-esteem. And then last but certainly not least, support from your friends and family. It should never be underestimated. As important as it is for us to work on our own self-confidence, having support from a spouse, family, friends, that can definitely help us. And if you're alone, then I understand that it might be a bit more challenging. Perhaps this could be a good time to reach out to friends that you haven't seen or spoken to in a while through social media or by placing phone calls, right? Or maybe you can find new friends by getting involved in activities that you're passionate about. Remember, relationships are a two-way street. Every person who's involved in that relationship matters. I've lived a lifetime of being involved in one-way street relationships, and I refuse to take part in those kind of relationships any longer. So make sure you feel just as good as everyone else does because you matter too. So beautiful people, whether you are affected by one or more of these personal dilemmas, each can be resolved through positive self-reflection or by actively seeking a solution. The steps you take can help you navigate a path toward developing a more positive outlook on yourself. Kings and Queens, all across the country, in about 44 states to be exact, and even in my own local community, we are hearing more and more that people are looking to opt out of learning about black history. But at the same time, there are people that are saying that black history is American history. So which one is it? And why are people so afraid to learn about history other than their own? Especially when that history encompasses all the achievements that we as African Americans have made in this country. Regardless of what other people may say, black history will not be erased and it does not have to be regulated to one month out of the year. But it's something that we can talk about every single day on this show every Wednesday. So, on this day, February 22nd, 1950, Julius Winfield Irving II was born. Known by the nickname Dr. J, he is an NBA legend who changed the game with his own unique playing style consisting of spins and, and swirls in the air. Irving attended the University of Massachusetts and entered the American Basketball Association in 1971 as a player for the Virginia Squires. After two seasons, he went on to play for the New York Nets until 1976 when he was picked up by the Philadelphia 76ers. The team soon began to flourish with his presence and the team took the NBA championship in 1983. Now, Dr. J was an 11-time NBA All-Star and a two-time NBA All-Star Game MVP 
in both 1977 and 1983. In 1987, he retired from the NBA and was considered one of the greatest dunkers of all time. He scored 30,000 points in his professional career. And also on this day, February 22nd, 1989, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince won the first rap Grammy for their single, Parents Just Don't Understand, because sometimes they don't. It was the song that won a Grammy Award for Best Rap Performance at the 1989 Grammy Awards. It was one of two songs to do so before the award was discontinued in 1991. Now, it peaked at number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100, and the song was released as a single in the spring of 1988, referenced several times in the television show The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and it was ranked number 96 on VH1's 100 Greatest Songs of Hip Hop. The music video was featured in the 2003 film Malibu's Most Wanted, and that, beautiful people, is Black History Wednesday. This next song is from American Rock Band, and this American Rock Band, and it was released in October 1981 as the second single from the group's seventh studio album, Escape. During the 80s, this band was considered to be one of the most successful rock acts of the era. Now, the song title was uh, to pay homage to one of the band members' fathers, who would always encourage him when he was a struggling artist. This song was a big hit for this group, and it became their signature song. They better not go nowhere and not perform this song. Now, Rolling Stone magazine has ranked it among its 500 greatest songs of all time. Now, during the 2022 NFL football season, I used it as a tagline to encourage New York Giant fans everywhere to keep believing in our team. Here's Journey with Don't Stop Believing.
This next song is definitely one of my favorites, and it made it clear that this singer would be a solo act in the not-too-distant future after releasing this song. It was covered by many different artists, but in my opinion, nobody does it like he does. The song reached number one in nearly 25 countries. Here's the one and only, the late George Michael with Careless Whisper. And when we come back, I will get into today's topic. I feel 
Okay, Village, so this evening I'd like to talk with you about mental health first aid. Now, if you're anything like me, perhaps this may be a new term that you're just now hearing. Um, I've never heard about it. And of course, you know, that's exactly the reason that I thought it'd be important for me to discuss with you this evening. Now, before I get into what mental health first aid is, we should all have a very clear understanding. Mental health does not discriminate. All right. It doesn't matter what color you are, your culture, your ethnicity, your religious beliefs or non-beliefs, your sexual orientation. None of those things can exempt you from mental health challenges. Any one of us can experience poor mental health. And it doesn't mean that you're any less than as a result of those challenges. But I do realize that there is a tremendous amount of stigma attached to conversations surrounding our mental health and well-being which can make it very difficult to talk about, which can often lead to those around us who may be unsure of how they can offer help and support. And for those of us who may have difficulty asking for that help and support if we're the ones who are suffering, I'm definitely a witness to that. So what is mental health first aid? Well, it's a quality assured two-day training course designed to teach us how better to understand, identify, and support someone who's suffering from mental ill health. Now, we don't want to confuse this with therapy because this is not psychotherapy training. This training guides you on how to respond, listen, and reassure someone during a moment of need and to prevent a crisis from happening. When we are able to recognize the warning signs of someone who's dealing with a mental health crisis, it can be crucial for intervention. Mental Health First Aid was developed first in England in 2006 by the National Institute of Mental Health. It was designed to improve our approach to mental health. Now, one of the most important places that Mental Health First Aid can be effective is in the workplace. It'd be crucial for the business and its employees. In the workplace, mental health has the same negative connotations and it's often overlooked by many businesses and employers. The thing is, it's not uncommon for anyone to experience diagnosable mental health problems at some stage of their working life. Usually the workplace can be a healthy distraction during trying times, but for those who are dealing with poor mental health, they often express their experiences with stigma and discrimination too. Perceived stigma causes us to disguise our symptoms, resulting in delayed support and help, which then leads to worsening symptoms. The belief is that support from colleagues and management in the form of mental health first aid is vital in helping mental illnesses at work. I mean, when you think about it, that's where we spend a lot of our time during the day. And how much better would you feel knowing that if you're somebody living with mental health conditions, you have a supportive work environment? But because of the lack of understanding and training, there are many people who would rather not work with people who experience poor mental health. And it could also cost them future consideration for promotions. Just because we may not be sure of how to support a colleague, or anyone for that matter, um, it doesn't mean that, you know, we can't figure out a way to do so, all right? Um, you know, we know that, you know, struggling with their mental health, it's no excuse for us to overlook mental health first aid, because it can be a workplace ally. 
Now, currently, there are more than 33,000 mental health first aiders, 1,900 youth mental health first aiders, 640 mental health first aid instructors, and 110 youth instructors. Now, although these numbers are positive and they're moving in the right direction, there are 300,000 people with mental health issues that lose their jobs each year. With the right support, care, and intention, attention, this number can and will decrease because no one should lose their job because of poor mental health. And being better positioned to support them can make all the difference in the world to them and quite frankly, to you too. In the same way that we have a personal responsibility to look after the physical health of ourselves and others, mental health first aiders believe that we should do the same for our mental health and well-being. With an empathetic and systematic approach, the skills taught during a course on mental health first aid helps to address concerns both in and out of the workplace. The two-day mental health first aid course gives both professionals and non-professionals a deeper understanding of the causes, symptoms, and treatments of everyday mental health problems. With further knowledge, individuals can feel confident in helping someone who's experiencing a problem. It makes me think about how people are becoming more aware of the need, you know, for us to know how to perform CPR, for instance. Mental health is a prevalent issue in our society and it'll be beneficial to learn how to provide support. Now, mental health first aid helps to spot early warning signs in someone who's struggling and to prevent their mental health conditions from getting worse. This can be done by encouraging them to seek support from mental health professionals while administering hands-on first aid skills to prevent crisis, such as death by suicide or self-harm. Now, mental health first aiders can help someone with mental health issues to recover faster as their guide and support network right there in the workplace. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Now, mental health first aid in the workplace can help to reduce discrimination, resulting in the reduction of absenteeism. I just explained last week how special accommodations and being able to disclose my mental health conditions decreased my absenteeism. And so here's another way to solve that problem. Now, the truth of the matter is when we are talking uh, about, you know, village mentality, beautiful people, we need to be more interested in the welfare of everyone whom we encounter, especially on a daily basis, you know, at work, at school. We need to learn to take more interest in one another, to care about one another. Now, in the spirit of balance, which I believe is a crucial aspect of our lives, I just spoke with you about some of the advantages of mental health first aid. So now I want to mention some of the disadvantages as well, because you need to be aware of those too. I need to remind you that becoming a mental health first aider doesn't qualify you as a therapist, okay? You're not going to be able to prescribe medications or diagnose conditions, nothing like that. Your role is to spot warning signs and to react and reassure someone who might be struggling in order to make life at work easier and to alleviate unwanted stress. That's really all there is to it. However, when you become a mental health first aider, it could impact your own mental health too, all right? The training, it gives you insight into how we can support others 
but we have to be careful navigating situations and we need to learn to set boundaries. Knowing when to convert empathy for apathy is important. If you're worried that you're struggling, the signs that you want to look for within yourself could be things like irritability, feeling overwhelmed, loss of appetite, and difficulty sleeping. Another disadvantage is the cost implications. Training is often considered a luxury for most businesses. Therefore, it's an unlikely benefit that can be offered to all managers. All right. Those that are trained could be spread thin across varying departments, which again could impact their mental health. Now, by investing time and money in mental health first aid, you'll begin to look at mental health in a different way. Not only will it help you understand people with mental health problems better, but you'll also understand yourself better too. The relevant knowledge and skills from high quality training does not only add to your professional and your personal profile, it is a fruitful method in encouraging your team to do the same. Supporting others through a mental health issue helps to destigmatize mental illness. And that's what I'm here to do destigmatize mental illness and to normalize conversations around our mental health. Now, as always, if you want to learn more about mental health first aid, I encourage you all to do your own research. Here's to brighter days.
That was Total Eclipse of the Heart by Welsh singer Bonnie Tyler. It was written and produced by Jim Steinman and released on Tyler's fifth studio album, Faster Than the Speed of Light, which was released in 1983. It became her biggest hit, topping the UK singles chart and becoming the fifth best-selling single in 1983 in the United Kingdom. And also here in the U.S., the single spent four weeks at the top of the charts, and it was certified gold, updated to platinum in 2001. And it was followed by Every Little Step, which is a 1989 single by American singer Bobby Brown, written by L.A. Reid and Kenneth Babyface Edmonds, and released by MCA Records. It was released as the fourth single on his second album, Don't Be Cruel. It reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100, and number one on the Hot Black Singles Chart, and number six on the UK Singles Chart in 1989. Now, the single, it garnered Brown's first career Grammy Award for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance at the 32nd Annual Grammy Awards in 1990. Okay, beautiful people, it's time for this week's inspirational story. And the name of this week's story is called Four Burning Candles. Four Burning Candles. Here's the story. In a room, there were four candles burning. The ambiance was so soft, you can hear the candles talking. The first candle said, I am peace. However, nobody can keep me lit. So... I believe I will go out. Its flame rapidly diminished and it went out completely. The second candle says, I am faith. And most of all, I'm no longer indispensable. So it doesn't make any sense for me to stay lit any longer. When it finished talking, a breeze softly blew, putting it out. Sadly, the third candle spoke in its turn. I am love. I do not have the strength to stay lit. People put me aside and they don't understand my importance. They even forget to love those who are nearest to them. And waiting no longer, it went out. Suddenly, a child entered the room and saw three candles not burning. Why are you not burning? You're supposed to stay lit until the end, sang this child, beginning to cry. Then the fourth candle said, Don't be afraid. While I'm still burning, we can relight the other candles. I am hope. With shining eyes, the child took the candle of hope and lit the other candles. The flame of hope should never go out from our life. And we each need to maintain our hope, faith, peace, and love. Now, what's the moral of the story? Hope never abandons us. We abandon hope. Consult not your fears, but your hopes and your dreams. Think not about your frustrations, but about your unfulfilled potential. Concern yourself not with what you tried and failed in, but with what is still possible for you to do.
That was Summer of 69, which was recorded by Canadian singer Brian Adams from his fourth album, Reckless. The single had a strong effect on music charts internationally. In the UK, it was acclaimed as one of Adams' best, with its highest peaks being number four in the Netherlands and number five in the United States. Among songs recorded by Canadian artists, it is the most streamed and most digitally purchased song within Canada among songs originally released before the start of the digital download era, which was approximately around 2005. It is also the most played song on Canadian radio among songs by Canadian artists originally released before 1990. And it was followed by the English rock band The Police with Every Breath You Take from their album Synchronicity, which was released in 1983, written by Sting. Now, the single was the biggest U.S. and Canadian hit of 1983, topping the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart for eight weeks, the band's only number one hit on that chart, and the Canadian RPM chart for four weeks. Now, their fifth UK number one, it topped the UK singles chart for four weeks. The song also reached the top 10 in numerous other countries. At the 26th Annual Grammy Awards, the song was nominated for three Grammy Awards, including Song of the Year, Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocals, and Record of the Year, winning in the first two categories. Every Breath You Take is The Police's and Sting's signature song, and in 2010 was estimated to generate a pretty nice chunk of Sting's musical publishing income. In May of 2019, it was also recognized as being the most played song in radio history. Well, kings and queens, it looks like we've come to the end of another show. I do hope that the information provided will be of help to you. Remember, it's always a good idea to do your own research, no matter what the topic is, especially if your life is involved. Thank you so much for tuning in this week, and I'm looking forward to being with you all again here in the village next week and every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please be sure to follow Village Mentality on Instagram at villagementality.ckm as in Mary and on Facebook at Village Mentality, the podcast. You can also catch all episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and there is a link available to each episode on Instagram at villagementality.ckm as in Mary and on Facebook at Village Mentality, the podcast. You can also catch it at theawakenlounge.com backslash village hyphen mentality. And just remember that God has got me and he's got you too. Be blessed, beautiful people. And here's to brighter days.
energy so stale in the air. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree. We used to be so happy. We used to have everything we need. Yeah.